0: So what I'm going to do the rest of the day is a little bit different. Um, I'm not going to preach per se, but I am going to show you a, what, what I do on a weekly basis typically is that on midweek, Wednesday or Thursday, I typically go back on Facebook. I've learned that the Facebook is an evil tool and it's also a good tool, right? I'm choosing to use it for good. Because there's a lot of bad things on Facebook and I know a lot of people aren't on Facebook and I, would have, I wouldn't be on it if it wasn't for ministry. So what I do is I go on on a Wednesday or Thursday normally and give a little midweek devotional, a little update, whatever. And I want to show you one that I did this past Thursday It's longer than I normally do. I normally do five minutes or so. This one's 16 minutes long, but it's kind of helping set up our discussion on the parables. We're getting into the, into the parables of Jesus, and it's all about preparation of the heart. And so I want to show this. Um, I've given some notes on it, and then I'm going to talk about it for the next few minutes after that. So I encourage you to, as I'm, as you're listening, if you have anything that comes to your heart, write it down. And uh, then we want to just talk about it a more, but a little bit more. But I really believe that it, this is about preparing our heart. So, Larry, let's go ahead and play that little video, and then we'll talk about it. Well, good morning, Center Point family and friends. It's Thursday, the 17th of February, and it uh, was warm yesterday. It's going to get colder today, and what melted yesterday is going to freeze today. So uh, if you're on the roads, especially the back roads, be careful. You know, I... Uh, we are beginning the study of the, the parables of Jesus, and uh, we've been now a couple weeks into it, and I'm just basically introducing the study and getting more involved in it. And um, I will say that this is one of those series that is just really enlightening for me. Uh, it reminds me of kind of my, my thoughts when we studied the Beatitudes just you know, a number of weeks ago. And my initial thought going into that was, well, this is going to be just one of those really easy studies and it's going to be very gentle and kind and and sweet. (laughs) And it turned out to be a very um, deep study on the Beatitudes and uh, on the teachings there and all the, the blessedness that we're promised as we continue to do the things that Jesus asked us to do. And I kind of was thinking about the same way about these parables again. that's a relatively easy study, and um, boy, I tell you, again, I'm finding out that I'm it's revealing my heart more than what I would even begin to think about as we just are getting into the parables of Jesus. And so, this morning in my prayer time, I was thinking about this, and you know, the Lord just really kind of laid some things in my heart to share this morning with you. And I have a few notes uh, that I might have to refer to. Um, but let me just share some things and see if this makes sense to you uh, when it comes to the parables of Jesus. Um, first of all, let me start off by saying that we do what we want to do. I mean, that's just our life motto. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you'll 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 admit the same thing in your life that. You know, the things that, you are, uh, that are important to you, you're going to find time to do them. And you'll, you're going to maximize the effort to do the things that you really want to do. Whatever it is, just think about an example. And at the same time, the things that we don't want to do, we're going to minimize them, if we do them at all. Uh, we might find ourselves doing the things that we have to do that we really don't want to do, But we'll put minimal effort into them. And we'll just do them basically to check the box to say that, yes, I've done those. But the things that we want to do, it's amazing how much time we can find for those things. Now that's just, I think, uh, just human nature. And you know what, that's interesting because when I take a look at the parables of Jesus, I'm finding that that's kind of what this is bringing out in our life. You know, we talked about the parable of the sower last week, and basically all that is about is about, is about preparing the soil of our life. And that so, that parable talked about four different kinds of soil, a hard soil, a rocky soil, uh, the thorny soil, the soil that produced thorns, and then the fertile soil that was weed-free, basically. And as we talked about that um it really brought some interesting things up to my mind. And I just need to go back and refer them to my notes a little bit here. Um, You know, I think the thing about soil is that it needs to be prepared if it's going to receive the seed. Um, And I think that's kind of where I'm finding some revelation knowledge for me here, is that if I'm going to be willing to do the things that God wants me to do, He has to plant some seeds in my life. And if I'm going to receive the seeds, the soil of my heart needs to be prepared to receive them. And there is work to be done to prepare soil. If anybody's ever done a garden or planted a garden or know about gardening at all, you know that the soil has to be turned over. After it sits dormant for a year and the winter snow and all the freeze that happens and all last year's plants that were grown, they have to be turned over and replenished, if you will. The soil has to be prepared to receive this year's seed. Otherwise, if you just spread seed over a hard, hard, unprepared ground, you're going to have minimal, if any, crop at all. So I think that's just an obvious statement to make, that if we're going to plant a new garden or if we're going to expand a garden, we need to turn over the soil it's, uh, that's dry and hard. It needs to be soft and moist and ready to receive and basically weed-free, the best as the best possible way to be, make it weed-free. And that takes work. That takes work on the behalf of the farmer. So taking that into a spiritual context, because that's what Jesus was doing in his parable, on this parable, and then also a few other parables that are agriculturally based, because that's what people understood at the time. It takes work to prepare the soil. Now take that spiritual, spiritually. If I'm going to have a heart that's ready to receive God's word, then there has to be some work done in my heart to get ready to receive the word of God. Because a hard heart, a human heart, a heart of... Um, of stone that is a representative of a sin stained heart or the heart that's from Adam. Okay. That's what we're born with. That's that sinful heart. It's not prepared to receive the word of God and it takes work to, to break that soil up. And so some would say, well, Mike, you know, we're dead spiritually and there's no way that our spirit man can even begin to do that because we're dead and anything dead can't bring life to itself. And I would agree with that. So spiritually, we are dead, but physically, we're alive. And everything that God has given us, it requires a choice on our part to receive it or not receive it. So even though spiritually, I'm dead, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and quicken my spirit, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and make me ready to receive the Word of God. And my job now as a person that is going to be working along with God or against God is I have a choice to make am I going to invite the Holy Spirit am I going to welcome the Holy Spirit to come in and and turn over my soil because it has to be turned over and so I may be dead physically but I'm given the choice spiritually if I will invite the presence of the Holy Spirit or accept his conviction when it comes to me to apply the work that has to be done to turn over my soil Because if I don't turn it over, or if the Holy Spirit doesn't turn it over, then it's not going to receive the word of God, and it's going to be the rocky or the hard soil that um, is resistant. And so we know that that has to happen. And so some would say, well, God's love is God's grace is sufficient. And it is. But yet, let's go back to a farmer. A farmer that has a field that's laid dormant all year long and is hard and crusty in the top, Um, he may really love that field. I mean, he may have paid a great price for that field. And he has great um, feelings towards that field. But the farmer still has to go in and turn the field over before he can apply the seed or the field won't do any good. Or the seed won't do any good. It won't be planted in that soil. Well, it's the same thing with God. God loves us and God has great value for us and in us. But yet, that alone doesn't turn the soil over in our heart. God's love doesn't turn the soil over in our heart. We still have to do the work. There still has to be work applied to our heart if we're going to be prepared to receive the word of God. That's so important for us to recognize that, that, that soil preparation comes through an invitation of the Holy Spirit to come in and do the work. I can't rejuvenate myself. I can't regenerate my life. I know that. That's not, this is not a works-based message at all. But this is a message of allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and, and soften my heart, turn my heart over, break up the hard ground and make it fertile and make it moist so that it's ready to receive the word of God. You know, going back to the maximization and the minimization of our life, um, again, this relates to a reaping and sowing Um, we will only reap what we sow, and we will only have a good garden if we prepare our hearts well. And when it comes to doing the things that we want to do and the things that we don't want to do, many times I believe people want to minimize the effort it takes to be a Christian. And we we think we can just do it minimally and be well-received by God. But yet I'll spend many hours, much effort, doing the things in life that I want to do that have no eternal benefit. Let me just give an example from my life. I like to golf, right? So I will spend a lot of time golfing. And some would say that's a waste of time. Maybe it is, but it's enjoyment for me. It's it's a hobby for me. And uh, and actually, actually I, bu- I bought a golf simulator this year. And I will go and I will use it. Maybe half an hour a day maybe an hour a day depends whatever day that that it it provides for me but i will make sure that i spend the time i will make the time available to do what i want to do and you know spiritually i hope i'm doing the same thing with my life that i'm finding my desires and godliness that i will maximize my effort and here's a good test if you wonder where you really are spiritually what are what's your desire Think about that for a minute. What's your desire for the things of God? Do you have a hunger at all for God? Do you have a desire to pray? Do you have a desire to read God's word or read godly books? Do you have a desire to go to church? Do you have a desire to worship? Do you have a desire to fellowship with other believers? If there's no desire there, that should be a warning to you that maybe your life isn't really what you think it is or what it should be. Maybe your garden hasn't been tended well. And I think this is a really important message because the moment you walk into your eternity, I can pretty much assure you that you are going to wish that you had maximized your efforts and your relationship with Jesus during your life. Because at that point, it comes the reaping of what was sowed. And if you haven't maximized the, the, the sowing process and the gardening process, then how do you think, why would you even think that you would have a maximum reward in heaven if you've minimized your life all throughout this time? I know I'm getting kind of preachy here a little bit, but I think this is really an important point. That if I want to have a maximized eternity, then I need to have a maximized effort and a desire to grow a good spiritual garden now that is going to bear eternal fruit, I can't minimize it now and then think it's going to be maximized later. And again, this is not a works-based message at all. This is just a message of where's my heart? What's the condition of my soil? Boy, I tell you, the parables of Jesus bring this out very clearly in my heart. And I hope that it comes across in this little message and in the messages that are going to come as we continue to speak about the parables over the next few Sundays. I, listen, I, I don't want to live with regret, and, and I don't want to get into eternity where I have been regretting at all the fact that I didn't tend to my garden here. And I, I'm praying that same prayer for you. So, you know, we also talked about how it's, it, it, we need to turn the soil over before we plant any seed. Because once I plant a seed and then I turn the soil over, then I'm wasting a seed because it's being turned over, it's being buried, it's not being planted, it's being destroyed. And you know, there is that process in our life that there are maybe there's other areas in our life, there's other gardens in our life maybe that we haven't properly um, cultivated yet. Uh, Maybe there is that the hidden part of our our life. There is those private areas in our heart that we say, God, we want to give you our heart, but yet this area here, we're reserving this for our own self. You know, the, the prayer of Jabez says that we want to expand our territory, expand our territory. Well, let's talk about this for a minute. If you want to expand your territory spiritually, then there's other gardening that needs to be done in your life. There's other Soil that needs to be turned over in your life that may be a a hidden thing in your life, maybe an area that you really don't want to give to God right now, but maybe you should and maybe I should as well. So maybe even though I'm a Christian and I'm a believer and I know I feel like I'm going to heaven, I, I got that. But, you know, God, I want to maximize my life. I want to maximize my eternal garden. So I want to give you other areas of my life. I want to give you all the areas of my life. So continue to turn over areas. God, examine me, test me, and know my heart, the psalmist says. See if there be any wicked way within me. And if there is, then God, show me the way of everlasting. In other words, take take the time, God, to show me those in my heart and that I would have the desire and the interest to allow you to turn the soil over in my life so that I can expand the territory of my life and I can maximize my garden. I can maximize my my eternal garden now while I have the opportunity so I can have a maximum reward in heaven for all eternity. So that means there's going to be a continual turning over of soil in my life because there's more areas in my life to give to God every day. And I want to be sold out. I want to be maximized for my rewards. And I think that's really important that we do that spiritually. So I know this is longer than normal, but yet I think it was really important as we continue to think about the parables that we're going to be studying over the next few weeks, that we would really go into this time with a prepared heart, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to prepare us and to um, position us to get ready to receive the Word of God. And that we would then plant it and fertilize it and water it and that we would do everything we can do along with the power of the Holy Spirit to bring a great, eternal, productive, fruit-bearing plant in our life and that we would be, uh, our territory would be enlarged and we would expect then to have God say, well done, thou good and faithful. So I want to end this by praying and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me that our hearts would be tenderized and our right priorities are given toward this. Let's, let's pray real quick. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And I thank you for what you're revealing in my heart. And I pray, God, that through this little simple message and the messages that are coming over the next few weeks, I pray, God, that the hearts of the people would be turned over and that our soil would be softened and pliable and ready to receive the word of God. And I pray your blessings on this. And I pray, God, that we would be prepared for whatever that would come our way over the next few days and even this day. God, prepare our hearts. Let us receive. Let us be prepared to receive the word of God. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed today. That cardinal flying out of my head didn't distract you. My wife mentions it every time she sees it. Why is that cardinal flying out of your head? It's because, it's because my Uncle Norm made it. Anyway, so I don't know if that made any sense to you. I don't know if it helped you. It kind of helped me position some things in my life. And, and I want to just take the next few minutes and kind of just maybe talk about some of those points. And hopefully you know, if you have some points, maybe it'll, if you want to bring them up, you can you know, say something. But I, do thought, but I do know this much. We do do what we want to do, don't we? I mean, the more I thought about that, the more I realized that that really is true. I say, I'm so busy. Well, I am busy doing what I want to do. It may not be what you want me to do, but I'm doing what I want to do. And we do the things that we're good at. And the things that we're not good at, we tend to ignore them. I know that I'm not a real organizer. And so if you walk into my office, you're going to think, Mike, how do you work in this mess? Well, I work in it quite well, thank you. That's just the way I am. I I I don't do as well in other areas maybe that you do well in. It drives my wife nuts. She can't stand it and she just wonders how I can live. Well, I've been living 65, 63 years that way and I'm, it's not that I don't try to be, improve myself because I do know I should be more organized and so I will work on it but give me some grace. But I do know that we will be very, I don't like to use the word regret because I don't know that we're going to have any regret in heaven. But you know, the Bible says that we're going to be rewarded. We're going to be judged for everything that we've done, good and bad. That's the believer's judgment. That's not bad to sin, to send us to hell, but there is going to be a reduction, if you will, of our rewards based on what God said that was good and that wasn't good. That was a waste of time. That was productive time. So I don't want to go into heaven with the issue. I I know I'm going to because we're all going to because we can't be perfect in this. But I, I think we want to maximize our efforts while we have the opportunity to go in for a maximum reward. And that's not selfish, by the way, because if it was because the way God's economy system works is that if I'm going to have a great reward in heaven, that means that I'm going to be a great, productive person on earth. If we're going to be heavenly effective, we must be, we must be earthly relevant. That's what we have on that, out in our sign and our foyer. It's kind of our mission. To be earthly, to be heavenly effective means I'm earthly relevant. In other words, I have to be effective here. I have to be relevant here. I have to be doing the things that help you to disciple people, to do the things that God would have me to do here, maximize to the best that I can do. And I think that we have a, The enemy's done very well in the Western's Christianity to say we don't have to do that. We can do minimal as a Christian here and then still have God's great rewards at the end. I think that's a lie of the enemy that's given to the American church, the westernized church that we can just skate by. We come in, we do, we throw our money in the offering, uh, we give over and above, uh, we uh, come to church, and then when you go out into our, our life, the rest of our life, we minimize our Christianity because we want to play with the world. Come on! I think it's a real temptation. Do we not face it? Do we all not face that? So, what do we do with it? Okay. There's going to, we'll have no excuse on Judgment Day. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses nine and ten. It says, "So we make it our goal to please God, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad." Okay, that's what the Bible says. I'm not making it up. So we spoke last week on the parable of the sower, and I would encourage you, if you weren't here last week, or if you haven't heard that, go back to the Facebook, that same page, and you can listen to that sermon on the parable of the, of the sower, and it talks about the four types of soil, because that's what it was all about. How do we prepare the heart spiritually? And how do we prepare our hearts? How do we? We talked about that, so what does that mean? How do we prepare our heart? Well, we do it through prayer. We do it through the invitation of the Holy Spirit. We do it through re- Bible reading. You know, I, th- I think that it's very important th- that you prepare your heart the best you can before you come into a church service. Pastor Rip mentioned this a couple Sundays ago when he was pastoring, and, I, and he says he still does this, which I think is awesome. Saturday nights is his time of preparation. I have a time of early mornings that I'm a more, more of a morning person. So I will prepare my heart in here two or three, four hours before service starts, doing what I need to do to prepare my heart so that when worship time comes, I'm ready to worship. That I'm not trying to dig up the soil then. I've already got the soil dug up. I'm already ready to worship. And I know sometimes that's easier than others. So I'm not putting any blame game. and not putting any, any condemnation here sometimes if you struggle coming into church. At least you're here. Thank you for being here. It's a good place to be. But I think we need to recognize that, that, that even though that um, we struggle, struggles are not all bad. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us into that relationship with Jesus. He wants to quicken our heart. I also said that grace is God's grace is amazing, which it is, but it's never enough. Can I just tell you that? And I say that with this in mind. We have to respond to his grace if it's going to be enough. We have to put work on our field if we're going to plant a good seed that's going to grow. God loves me and God loves every person unconditionally and he loves every person. Whether they choose him or not, he still loves them. So his love never changes. But that does not save any man. You can reject God's love all through, the, all through your life and go to hell and God loves you even, even as you choose to go to hell. Can I say that God's not sending you? You're taking yourself there. It's your choice. It's not God's choice. He would have all men come to Him, all that would choose Him. So God's grace is sufficient, but it's sufficient for those that choose to receive it. So we still have to tend the farm. We still have to tend to our field. That's the example of the farmer really appreciating his field, and he said, "Boy, I really love you, field, but I'm going to go to the beach." And then what does he expect? He can't expect to have a a harvest if he's not tending his field, if he's not working it, right? And the same thing with our life. God can say, I love you so much, but he doesn't just then go to the beach (laughs) to let you then deal with life. No, he wants to come in and he wants to help you turn that soil. We have to reap what we sow. And God loved us before we were alive. And I think that's important because I know there are some types of faith, religions that say that we have to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit because we're dead spiritually, which we are dead spiritually, I get that. But we always have a choice in the matter. As long as I'm alive physically, I'll have a choice to receive what the Spirit would have, to have me to receive. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We were still sinners and God chose to love us. But then he says in Galatians six, seven through ten about reaping and sowing, he says, Do not be do not be deceived in verse seven of Galatians six. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. That's the fact. You're going to reap what you sow in life, and there's no getting around that. And I, I said this in that little that little devotional thing that many Christians we, we we try to minimize our efforts. We 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 well, I don't think we try. I just think we do. <laughs> I, I think it's just kind of who we are that we will minimize our efforts spiritually, yet believing that God's going to be really really happy with me because we have this narcissistic way to look at ourselves. I'm just being honest, and I hope we all can be honest. Because we can spend a lot of time at the expense of our spiritual life on things that really don't matter, even if they're good things. Galatians 6, 6, verses 3 and 4, if anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves, each one should test their own actions. Isn't that interesting, that we should test ourselves? So what is your desire for the things of God? Let me just ask you. If you don't know really where you're at, or if you think you're at a spot where you are then test yourself what is my desire what's my soil really like what do you think about that i mean again this is not a condemnation message or it's not a message of works it's just a message of who am i do i have a hunger for god at all do i have a desire to pray do you have a desire to read the bible If there's no desire, do you think that's a cause for concern? What do you think? Let me read to you what I read this week. Do you know who Steve Jobs is or was? Steve Jobs was the um, inventor or the beginner, if if you will, of Apple. The computers. And uh, he died at 56, a, bil- a billionaire. And this is the last words of Steve Jobs. Billionaire dead at 56. Let me quote, let me read this. I'm quoting this. He says, I have reached the summit of success in the world of business. In the eyes of others, my life is a success. However, aside from work, I had little joy. In the end, wealth is, in fact, something I'm used to. At this moment, laying in my hospital bed, remembering my whole life, I realize that all the gratitude and wealth in which I took so much pride has vanished and become meaningless in the face of imminent death. You can hire someone to drive your car or make money for you, but it's impossible to hire someone to deal with sickness and die for you. Material things can be lost and found, but there is one thing that can never be found when it is lost life. Whatever stage of life we are currently in, with time, we will face it the day the curtain closes. Love your family, spouse, and friends. Treat them right. Cherish them. As we get older and wiser, we slowly realize that wearing a $300 or a $30 watch both give the same hour. Whether we have a $300 or a $30 wallet or a purse, the amount inside is the same. Whether we drive a $150,000 car or a $30,000 car, the road and distance are the same, and we arrive at the same destination. That we drink a bottle of wine at $1,000 or a $10 bottle, the hangover is still the same. That the house we live in is a 300 or a 3,000 square foot house, the loneliness is the same. You will realize that your true inner happiness does not come from material things of this world. Whether you travel first class or economy class, if the plane crashes, you crash with it. Therefore, I hope you realize when you have friends, boyfriends and old friends, brothers and sisters with whom you argue, laugh, talk, sing, talk about north, south, east, or heaven, and earth, this is the real happiness, an indisputable fact of life. Don't educate your kids to be rich, Ed, educate them to be happy, so that when they grow up, they will know the value of things and not the price. Well, I think he's right in many of this, but I still think he's missing the most important element because happy isn't eternal. Happy stays with happiness and happenstance. Everything he's described here isn't bad in itself. It just isn't complete in being eternal. What he's missing here is his heart for Christ. He said a lot of truth that I hope it makes us think. But, it, but the biggest question is, where's my heart? What's the soil of my heart like? There's a difference between having Jesus as your Savior and then making him your Lord. There's an ownership here. When I make Jesus my Savior, I'm giving him, I should be giving him ownership of my life. 1 Corinthians six nineteen 19-20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. In other words, Jesus bought us. He paid the price. He gave up his life so that, he could, so that we could have eternal life. And so by doing that, I am, as I make him my Lord, I am turning over my desires to him. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, you have control of my life. That's the design. That's what it's supposed to be like. I just want to challenge us this morning. Where are we? Where is our heart? I think many people look at the prayer of Jabez. They look at it from a physical perspective, a physical blessing. But I think it's true more from a spiritual perspective. I think that enlargement of our garden or the enlargement of our territory really means I have to max my life out for Jesus now. It means I'm going to have to do some more work. I'm going to have to give God more of my gardens and I think we probably all have those maybe little hidden gardens in our life, maybe. God, I'm going to give you my life, but, you know, that's for me. Uh, guys, this doesn't work. Can I just say that? I mean, it sounds cute and kind of funny, but it's not. If I'm going to truly make God the center point of my life, that means I've got to give it to him all. So I need to do as the psalmist says, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me and then lead me in the way of everlasting that's the testing process. So as we study the parables of Jesus, as we, as we go into this over the next few weeks, and I know I kind of stalled here because next week we're going to talk about the parable of the weeds and there's many other parables. Jesus's parables, let me just tell you, they're not little simple teachings. They are in-depth spiritual truths that requires a truly mature spiritual person with a heart's desire to understand God will fill you up like you can't believe when you just study a simple little parable. So that's what I want to do. I want to have our hearts prepared. So this week, as you go to your homes, you go to your jobs, you go through your life, I pray that you would just ask the Lord to continue to turn the soil over in your life, preparing you for a new word next week or Wednesday night or whenever you get together with others for Bible, Bible studies or prayer time. It doesn't just happen in church. Don't think that the only way, that the only reason, the only place that God feeds you is at church. No, 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 that's, that's wrong. You need to be fed every day. You need to get in your own personal Bible study every day and have the Lord feed you. And let me just say again, if that's not a desire of yours, then pray about that. Think about that. If you don't have a desire for even getting into your own Bible study, that should make you concerned that I'm not teachable. I'm not hungry. There's something wrong. Look for ways to serve God and to love him. Ask yourself, am I truly maximizing my time here? Or am I, am I, am I happy being a minimalist? Good questions, guys. Does that make sense? Okay, let me ask a quick question. Does anybody have anything they want to say? Anything else that was brought up maybe that we didn't talk about, that I didn't mention, that piqued your interest? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to share. Lord, I just am so... I guess thoughtful, meaningful, um, intentional. Wanting to make sure that we speak your truth here today. And in every day, every time we come here, God, the last thing I want to do is speak anything that isn't true. Anything that would be um, argued as my opinion over the truth of God's word. And and so God, I just pray. I just pray, I pray for a hunger in our hearts and lives that you would just um, do a mighty work And just continue to be with us and teach us and to lead us and to guide us. And God, create a appetite in us for a spiritual hunger and thirst. And I just pray, Father, that as we go throughout our days ahead in this, whatever time we have left, because I do believe it's a short time. I do believe, God, and I do ask that you would just create a hunger in us to know you better and to know you more, that we could um, enter into eternity whenever that happens. Whenever that would happen, God, that we would enter in, God, full speed and not halfway. That we wouldn't enter in idling. That we would enter in with our engines revved up, moving fast, our wheels spinning. Because, God, we are driving for the things of this world. We are driving for your kingdom in the things of this world. And I just pray your blessings on your people today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.